My three-year-old cousin once said, Me first! Me first! Me first! Welcome to Save vs. Rant. Save versus Rant. No, no. Welcome to Save versus Rant. I'm John. I'm Jeremy. I go first, then you go, then I go. That's how this works. Okay, so you attack once, I attack once, and then you attack twice, right? Exactly. So today we're talking about initiative. Initiative. It's the prescribed order that the game proceeds in. What exactly is initiative? I go first, you go first, then the person over there goes. In role-playing games, most people know of the static order of initiative. Everyone rolls initiative at the beginning of combat, and then they go in order from highest to lowest. In modern role-playing games, usually the way that this is executed is that each player character and each monster gets their own individual initiative and then act in that initiative order. That's the most common system used in RPGs to date. Dungeons and Dragons 3rd Edition, 3.5, Pathfinder, all Long use D20. that. 4th Edition uses it, 5th Edition uses it. Yeah, the most common role-playing games use a system like that. But that's not how it always was. 1st uh, Edition had a really awful method where both sides rolled initiative, and then whichever side rolled higher would go, acting in dexterity order from top to bottom. Yeah, so if you had monsters on one side, player characters on the other side, there'd be one initiative roll for each, and that would determine what order those sides went in, and from there you'd look at individual initiative within the side. Which kind of is like how the original board games did it. I mean, chess. One player goes, then the other player. White goes first, then black. Yeah, just alternate play. Um, Any game with just two players is typically going to have an initiative order of that sort. It's going to be a really simple one player goes first, the other player goes first. Different games, of course, have different methods of determining who goes first. Some games have pretty obvious methods. Chess, for example, has a prescribed order where white goes first. That's just the rule for chess. uh, Checkers has a similar method. One side goes first, then the other. I mean, everyone knows red goes before black. Black goes before red, actually. Coal before fire. Uh... Oh, okay, if, if you say so. Well, that that's always the way I've heard it. Well, uh, there are other modern games, things like Love Letter. In Love Letter, the person who last went on a date goes first. In the Adventure Time version of Love Letter, I go first because it's the person who last watched an episode of Adventure Time. So I go first. There's a really interesting thing. In Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, there's kind of a, a change-up of the static order. Everyone rolls initiative. And then give those numbers to the DM. And whenever a player's initiative comes up, the group decides which one of them takes that initiative. Yeah, but it's, it's got to be someone who hasn't acted that turn yet. Yeah. So you can't just have one person act like five times. But, but it is cool. You have the really fast player contributed initiative to basically an initiative pool. And then the players can decide who goes from there. Yeah, it's a really interesting system. Of course, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay has a lot of checks and balances on these sort of things. For instance, it has a party cohesion where if you start arguing with each other, then your party cohesion goes down and has actual in-game effects for that. So it encourages 
cooperation in a way that really plays into that system, but it is an interesting thematic way of doing initiative with each player contributing something to the group and then the group collectively deciding how to use that. Now, if we're talking about interesting initiative systems, there's a really interesting initiative system I've heard of called Speed Factor. It was from 2nd edition D&D. Oh... Yeah, it it has some issues to it. Here's here's the idea. The really fast person using the light weapons gets to attack quickly and more often than the person wielding the big slow weapon. The person casting the really, really uh, difficult prepared ritual takes even longer to go than the person with the longbow. Right. And so the idea behind it is that small, quick weapons allow you to attack more quickly and more often even than larger weapons. But the real problem with this comes in if you actually know how fighting works and you realize that a person with a dagger isn't going to be able to automatically get the drop on a person with a longsword just because a dagger is fast. There's also factors like weapon reach, the way that a weapon can be used or reused. You know, a rapier can be swung around quite quickly. A maul might be justified in being a weapon that works slowly because swinging a maul not only uses a lot of effort, but it it is something that takes a while to recover from. You can't just swing a maul back and forth willy-nilly like a longsword. A, a spear, when you're just wielding a spear, you're holding it point toward your opponent. Usually the, the whole reason for that is to try to attack them before they can get in close enough to attack you. But in with the speed factor system, the spear was actually fairly slow. Right, which, again, doesn't make sense from a just who gets to attack first perspective. Now, in D&D 3rd Edition, Reach was introduced and well, actually it was... Reach was introduced in 2nd Edition Skills and Tactics, as I recall, but that was just kind of... The, the problem was, back in the day, there weren't things like attacks of opportunity and stuff like that, so Reach wasn't nearly the advantage it is in later versions of D&D. The other issue with Speed Factor was that you had to declare what your action was going to be, and then you had to wait until that particular time came up before you did it. It required a lot of bookkeeping on the DM's part, and any game that adds more bookkeeping to the DM's already hefty load isn't a good system at all. Yeah, it's it's a design flaw. Anytime you're adding extra work to the DM, you are creating a system that has this design flaw. So ultimately, Speed Factor was kind of a failure on every level, but you can understand the reasoning behind it, and it was an interesting take on initiative at the time, because to date there hadn't been a lot of initiative systems, and anything that changed things up got people talking about what order people acted in, which was something interesting to the game. Now, now since we're talking about initiative systems, one of my absolute favorite initiative systems in current gaming is from Savage Worlds. You shuffle up a deck of 52 cards plus the two jokers, and you deal out a card to everyone. Then you go from highest to lowest, ace, king, queen, jack, ten. So sometimes someone could get two turns right in a row. And that that's a really interesting one because it changes up the dynamics of it without adding a lot of time to initiative, which is really just a formality. Right. The, the whole thing about initiative is that it has to be quick just by nature of how it works. It has to be something that lets you quickly determine whose turn it is without a whole lot of bookkeeping. If you if you were rolling initiative every single action, that would be an inherently bad initiative system because it would add all of these extra working. And, and elegant initiative systems tend to be of a simple nature, which is why you see D20 initiative systems where you just have an established initiative 
initiative, and then you act on that established initiative each turn. There are some more freeform games that don't have initiative initiative at all. You just go when it's thematically appropriate, when it's dramatically appropriate. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, in some role-playing games, you know, you don't need initiative because it's more of a free-form game. Oh, there, there was a number of, of uh, online forum games that I played. Oh yeah, back in the back in the day when uh, forum gaming was a really big thing. Uh, that would be like, I don't know, like early 2000s. Uh, there was Amber Diceless role-playing, which for any non-conflict encounter, it was... Uh, the, there was just a free-flowing initiative. But any time that there was any form of conflict, it was the person with the higher skill went first. So that's not really an initiative-less system. Yeah, but it's pretty close. I mean, wh- what we're talking about here is just who's acting first. And in most situations, then, you don't have... Well, let's be honest, most situations are going to be conflict situations. So, yeah, it's not really an initiative-less system. When we think of games that don't have initiative, a lot of times what we're thinking about are really real-time games, and then we're moving out of the role-playing spectrum into classic games, like Dutch Blitz, for example, is a game where everyone acts at the same time, everyone just does things, and the first person who finishes the goal wins. Um, another another game like that, uh, Cheap-Ass Games, had a game, I want to say Brawl. Yeah, Brawl. Cheap-Ass Games had a game called Brawl. It was based on games like Street Fighter, uh, King of Fighters, very, those those sort of... Those tournament fighter yeah, button tur- masher... Tournament fighter button masher games. And because of this, it was a real-time game. You had your character and the opponent's character, and you were sitting there dropping different colored cards, hits, blocks, grapples, all that sort of thing. And it was just whoever got their card down on the stack first was the one who did it. Um... What is it called? Egyptian Rat Screw is, uh, let me double check the name on that. Egyptian Rat War. Egyptian Rat War? I've always heard it as Egyptian Rat Screw. Yeah, Egyptian Rat Screw. It's, um, it's a card matching game, and it's got a slapping dynamic to it where you simply uh, can slap in, slap out, that sort of thing. Uh, you just jump in whenever a thematically appropriate time comes. You make you know various tricks of cards and lay them out as quickly as you can. And under certain circumstances, a player can slap the cards to take them. A player who runs out of cards loses and... But isn't fully out of the game uh, in the yeah, ways that they, I've played. They can they slap. slap in. That's the whole idea behind it is it has this real-time element that when you have specific opportunities, you're able to slap in. Well, since we're talking about non-role-playing games, most board games just simply proceed clockwise around the table. You go, the guy to your left goes, then I go, the guy to my left goes, and we continue around the table as such. Yeah, I mean, that's the most common way for both board games and card games to proceed. Usually you start at one side of the table and you just work your way around. In multiplayer games of Magic, we just proceed clockwise around the table. It's easier that way than going, okay, well, you rolled the next highest, so we're going to move in kind of a star pattern with our turns. Yeah, it's easier to just say, you know, we start at one spot and we continue clockwise. Now, a few games change this up a little bit. Uh, Seven Wonders, for example 
is a card drafting game. And in Seven Wonders, you first draft clockwise. Then in the second age, it has three ages. In the second age, you draft counterclockwise. And then the third age, you draft clockwise again. One thing this does is it gives players who were dealt with poorly by the previous player a chance to reciprocate that. Or if they were dealt with prudently or in a friendly manner, they get an opportunity to reciprocate that as well. And that's actually a really interesting dynamic, and it's it's one way that an initiative system can reward creative play and give an opportunity for that sort of creative endeavor. I've recently picked up a board game called Vast, the Crystal Caverns. In this game, the players proceed in a prescribed order. The First, the, the hero goes, then the goblins go then the dragon goes, then the cave itself gets a turn, and then the thief goes, and you go around in this order, and it's always in that order. Yeah, so there's a sort of a prescribed order to it. Yeah, we played Vast, uh, what was it, just just recently, and um, it's actually really interesting how that order enforces certain actions. You know, if you know that the goblins are always going to go before you, it allows you to base your expectations on what you think the goblins are going to do, and it allows for a specific sort of planning, which rewards you for paying attention to what people are doing on the turn before you, and paying attention to who acts before and after you, and how that affects your choices on your turn. Sometimes a good initiative system can actually lend a lot of flavor to a game. In Vast, the soldier goes first, the, the, the warrior, then the goblins, so they can sneak up on him, and then the dragon, who can sneak up on them, and then the cave gets to go. And if we're going back to role-playing, uh, the Doctor Who Adventures in Time role-playing game has an interesting order to initiative. Oh, yeah. Yeah, actually, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. First, the talkers go. We can discuss this like rational folk. Then the movers go. We can run the hell away like rational folk. Then the doers go. We can raise a force field like rational folk. Then the shooters go. We can shoot the hell out of them like rational folk. Now, ultimately, it lends itself very well to the Doctor Who thematic universe because in Doctor Who, that's the sort of order you see all the time. You see, first, the Doctor wants to talk it out, and when characters run away in Doctor Who, they invariably get away. That's just an aspect of running away in Doctor Who. Even when people are shooting at them with laser beams and chasing them down. Yeah, so the order lends itself to the sort of game that you're playing. It's another way of thematically reinforcing the ideas of the game, and that's ultimately what a good system does, is it reinforces the thematic concept of the game, or reinforces the existing game dynamics in useful, interesting, and utilitarian ways. And this is a great example of that. It's a great game where the initiative system enforces how the game works. When it comes to initiative systems, there's some pitfalls and perils that I've seen a lot of players and even DMs fall into. Specifically, not preparing for your turn. Yeah, you have everybody else's turn in order to decide what you're doing, but a lot of people just tend to disengage when it's not their turn or to overthink their turn. Uh, Sometimes you'll find people who just weren't paying attention during other people's actions. So when it comes to their turn, they're like, wait, what did so-and-so do? What did this happen? Uh, Who attacked whom? You know, what's going on? Wait, 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 wait. So I have 15 damage. Um, how, how far away is this enemy? 30 feet? Is there a way I can get there without taking any opportunity attacks? 
Can I, should I drink a, I think I'm just going to drink a potion this turn. See, and you've just wasted everyone's time. You know, you, you could have been trying to figure some of that stuff out beforehand. And it's important to think about that sort of thing when you're playing a game. Wait, 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 John, never mind. I'm going to cast Bull Strength on you. Is, is, is it too late for me to cast Bull Strength? Ugh. See, you see what I mean? That you can get in these situations where you're actively holding up the game. And that's something we want to strongly avoid when we're playing games. Again, we play games for enjoyment. And if everybody's being held up by one player, that's not very enjoyable. So as much as possible, you should be exploring your options when it's not your turn and getting an idea of what you're going to do based on that before your turn actually comes up. And I think that's a good way of contributing well to your gaming group is just being prepared. Both John and I have a method of letting the players know when their turn initiative is coming up. Uh, John has... I've got actually uh, one of these Game Mastery Combat Pads. It's actually a really cool product uh, from Open Mind Games. I don't get any money for endorsing them. This is just a great product. It's a basically a magnetic placard with a number of small magnetic strips you can put on it. The strips can have dry or wet erase written on them and then can be arranged in an initiative order on there. And there's a little arrow that says turn that's also a magnet that you can put there and you can slide it on down the initiative order as each character gets to act. Then uh, when you get to the new round, you can st- set up a new round. It also has a portion for tracking what round you're on of combat and a small spot for notes that's good for putting things like when spells expire, when special effects expire, you know, anything that anything that carries about the turn order can be recorded there. You can also push it slightly to the side to show that your character has been disabled, or if you're delaying. Or yeah, readying an action, delaying an action, doing things that affect your initiative order. You can mark those by pushing the uh, magnets to the side. It's a really good product. I highly recommend it, and it's been vital to a lot of my games. It's a great way of making sure that everybody knows when it is they get to act and when they get to take their turn. I use something kind of similar. I have a DM screen that I always have in front of all of my stuff, so I can't have a little aid like that off to the side. Instead, on top of my DM screen, I have a bunch of 3x5 index cards that have been cut in half with the players' names on them. At the beginning of initiative, I arrange them in order, and then I tick them over like little beads or abacus markers, so everyone knows when they're going to go next in initiative. And then if a monster suddenly bursts into the room, I place another another little placard up on my DM screen. On the back side of these little uh, 3x5 index cards, I also have all of the pertinent information for the character. I have their perception score. I have their initiative score. I have their maximum hit points. I have any permanent magical effects on them. Like, oh, this person always has tremor sense because for some reason they're an anthropomorphic earthworm. I don't know. And both of these methods really help keep the uh, game going. Players don't get caught by surprise when their turn comes up. They don't go, oh, I didn't realize I was after him. I didn't realize that it was monster, monster, me, him, monster, and then, I don't know, coffee break. 
The point being that under most circumstances, it's a good thing for the players to know when it's going to be their turn, when their turn comes up. Um, a lot of old school games had an idea behind them of keeping initiative secret so that everybody was like, oh, it's my turn to act. You know, I get to act before this guy. That's cool. Then I guess I'm going to do this. But that's largely fallen out of the uh, gaming zeitgeist because it slows down the game. And anything that slows down a game has become less and less favored under the sort of survival of the fittest that gaming has gone through. Hmm. Other things that could happen with initiative is really just to bring the rules in line. Uh, John, you have a really interesting method in World of Darkness of dealing with initiative. Well, under the normal World of Darkness rules, initiative is a d10 roll where you just roll 1d10 and you add your initiative modifier, which I believe is wits plus dexterity. Under the system, you would just roll a d10 and add that to it. And in many cases, this would really introduce way too much randomness to it. You don't have characters who are fast going first with any real consistency. So what I did is... Um, on top of that, it's a completely separate kind of role in a system that is otherwise very standardized. Every role in World of Darkness apart from that is X plus Y or X plus Y plus Z. You know, wits plus composure, uh, strength plus computers, you know, something like that. And they're, they're die pools. You roll that many dice. Yeah. And so rolling just one die for initiative is actually a little confusing. And I had many times where I'd be like, roll initiative and players would just start assembling a dice pool and being like, wait, what is that? What plus what? So I decided to just try implementing it where I was just using X plus Y as a dice pool for initiative and adding, you know, merits that increase initiative, of course, increasing that die pool. And what I found was in most circumstances that plus a fallback of whoever had the highest dice pool would decide initiative quite well, would favor more strongly and more consistently people with high initiatives, but still allow for that randomness where sometimes the slow guy will get lucky and get an opportunity to act first. So I really felt that that was a thematically appropriate way to do things. Your mileage may vary, of course, but for me, it was an excellent solution to what was otherwise kind of a clunky game dynamic. It really felt like the initiative system that they had put in there was meant to allow, when combat started, if someone got the drop on you, for them to go first. But they already had a surprise round mechanic. This person got the drop on you, they go first, and then we roll initiative. That's fairly standard in role-playing games. Someone gets the drop on you, they go first, and then we roll initiative. Interestingly, and on a complete aside, GURPS actually handles initiative in a way that's pretty darn elegant. In GURPS, it's whoever has the highest base speed, which is just an attribute, and then it defaults to dexterity if you're tied, and then after that you just roll a d6 and whoever had the highest roll wins, and you just keep rolling that d6 until you've decided who gets initiative. Um, in the context of GURPS, which is otherwise a very complicated game with a lot of depth to it and a lot of uh, back-end bookkeeping, you find that this actually speeds up combat a great deal because it means that you just say, okay, who's, who's got the highest base speed? Well, this guy does. Okay, he goes first. Very simple. You know, no need to roll dice, no need to remember who goes first. Whoever has the most. 
And I think that's basically the whole reason why we decided to talk about this topic at all. Why add too much to a part of the game that should go quickly? Why do we have to worry and spend three minutes figuring out who goes in what order when we can just start moving the game along? Get the game going faster. No one cares, oh, well, I, I go first. They care, hey, I swing the hammer at the ore. They care, oh, I cast the fireball into the, into the cave. Now, ultimately, what we're concerned about is initiative slowing down the game. And one thing we want to focus on is how to make initiative faster, how to keep the game moving along. Uh, some games do this by using a prescribed initiative order. Some games do this just by having simplified rules for how things work. And some games do this by just having initiative be something that clunks for just a minute and then runs smoothly thereafter. D&D and D20 being the best examples of this where rolling initiative typically takes longer than figuring out whose turn it is after initiative has been rolled. All right, that seems to be all that we have to say about that. Next topic, actually the next time that we uh, come together, we're going to talk about one of our favorite board games of all time. Arkham Horror. Arkham Horror. I love this game so much. I'm kind of giddy here just thinking about talking about this great, great game. It's a fairly good cooperative uh, adventure game set in H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos. It's an excellent game with sort of a pulp sensibility to it, a uh, really great cooperative aspect. It's all players versus board game and just an enjoyable environment. It's a, it's a great game and we're looking forward to being able to discuss it since it is one of our perennial favorites. All right. Once again, this is Save vs. Rant. Thank you all very much for listening. Tori Amos once said, Hey, yes, every day's my wedding day. Go oh, away, still world, his only glass Georgie girl. Die my favorite own Skittle D, and I'm don't G, go yes. yet. Just Never don't go. go. She's hiding so in a lost the skull. Go away, that's okay. Does Joe bring flowers to the She was your favorite girl. There she goes. Never gain weight. Never gain weight. Save vs. Rant is a Tabletop Gamers Guild production. Your hosts are John and Jeremy, with music by Timmy Skittles. Save vs. Rant is recorded on dueling laptops in front of a silent and invisible studio audience. Visit us at SaveVsRant.com or contact us on Facebook or Twitter at Save vs. Rant. We'd love to hear from you. 